The NFL trade deadline has come and go, and my Miami Dolphins look amazing. Tyler, I know you're upset. I know you're upset that your teams don't look as good as my team does. But let's get right into it. We got a lot to talk about this week. Joining Tyler and I on It's a Football Podcast this week is our colleague, Chris Boombaka. We like to call him Boom around these parts, though. Boom, what's going on, man? How's it going? What's up, guys? Pumped to be here. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about, given the all the activity yesterday. So I'm just pumped to be part of uh, this, the Insiders Pod. Let's do it. I love all the juice shirt that you have on. Yeah, no, shout out our guy, Therese. Um, you know, yes, yes, yes. Got to rep him. Rest in peace, Therese Paylor, my guy. Uh, you can't go to Kansas City and not walk by his little plaque right there, man, and say what's up to him for sure. Um, boom, let's get into the trade t- uh, deadline, man. Uh, the NFL record, 10 trades. Uh, this was like an NBA deadline, Tyler and Boom. Like, usually you never really see NFL teams kind of go all out or try to make moves. This year is so particular with the NFL because you have so many teams like the Ravens, the Vikings, um, you know, even the Dolphins with with positive records above 500, thinking they're in contention. So many teams with three wins or less thinking they should still be in contention, even though they may not be, um, and reluctant to maybe make some moves. For us to see 10 deals in one day, it's it's incredible. And boom, I just wanted to kick it to you first. I mean, this is this got into NBA level talks. This was kind of like the start of NFL free agency all in one day. Yeah, it was a record, those 10 deals on deadline day. And I think since we have seen the trade deadline push back from week six to week eight, I think that was 2012 they did it. Uh, there has been this slight uptick given a you know, few variances in each year. But I think my main takeaway is how the NFL is officially in on deadline drama. We see it in MLB. We see it in the NBA. Uh, NHL, too, has like a ton of trades, you know, when it gets down to the wire of the deadline. And the NFL says, give me some of that, just like they do with everything else. Christmas Day, Black Friday. They, they want to be king in everything, um, and they are king for a reason. And this is just another example of them going big uh, when it comes to drawing eyeballs and entertaining. And, and uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why we, you know, we have these trades, and that doesn't have to do with the entertainment aspect. But I think that that's my main takeaway. This, is, this was major drama. This was a lot of drama for the NFL in one day. Um, kind of fitting that we saw Dan, Dan Snyder's, you know, announcement with the team thing happened Wednesday. It kind of got a day of its own. They really should have did it on Tuesday if you're looking for a good day for a news bump uh, dump, Washington. But uh, they didn't. But, Tyler, all these trades, all these moves, uh, let me kick it to you right now. Which team won the trade deadline, Tyler? So that's a great question. My major takeaway from yesterday was that all the teams that – Everybody kind of felt like they were a major piece away from possibly being a contender, made a trade and made a trade that addresses a glaring need. The Dolphins needed a pass rusher. They got a pass rusher in Bradley Chubb. The 49ers, everybody thought maybe they needed another playmaker on offense. The Christian McCaffrey trade didn't happen on uh, the deadline day, but the 49ers got a major piece on offense, you look at the Minnesota Vikings, another uh, guy to uh, pair um, at tight end with uh, TJ uh, Hawkinson. That's a huge, huge upgrade uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. So that was, you know, the, my major takeaway from yesterday that the teams that probably were a piece or 
two away from being in contention, they address their glaring need. Now, my winner, it has to be the San Francisco 49ers. We already saw what Christian McCaffrey can do for them. Three touchdowns against the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, uh, a record day for him. And they did that without Debo Samuel. So you can just imagine what this San Francisco 49ers team is going to be like when they have all their pieces back in the field healthy. So the 49ers are my winners from the trade deadline. I would then probably have the Vikings and then the Dolphins. Get out of here, Tyler. Get out of here, Tyler. And then followed by the Ravens. A lot of people are sleepy on uh, that Ravens move. But for them to get Roquan Smith at middle linebacker and pair him with Queen and inside, you all, all of a sudden have one of the best and definitely one of the most athletic inside linebacker tandems in the NFL. And I think the Ravens just put themselves as the favorite to win the AFC North. Wow. Well, okay, okay. You were always kind of hyping up the Ravens for the AFC North, and they look even better now because exactly what happened to the Bengals kind of has happened this season, Tyler. Everybody has an eye on them, and now losing Jamar Chase has had an early effect on that Bengals offense. Um, I wanted to go back to something that you said with um, with the trade deadline winners and losers. We haven't talked about the losers, and you mentioned the teams that needed to make a move. Well, all the losers are the teams that didn't make moves, right? There's <laughs> there's the Green Bay Packers who lost out on Chase Claypool to the Bears. There's the uh, Los Angeles Rams who are hanging on to Cam Akers and didn't make any additions. There's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who needed a defender, uh, you know, lost their, their linebacker um, for the season. I forgot which one is. Was that Shaq Barrett uh, with the Achilles? Yeah, Shaq Barrett. I believe so. Achilles. Okay. So the, the Bucks needed a defender. And then so that's three teams in the NFC that have been struggling this year. The defending champion Rams, the champion of the year before the Bucks, and my favorite MVP in the whole world, Aaron Rodgers, a regular season QB. And in the Packers, who who didn't make a move, all those three teams are struggling. And probably the biggest loser was Brandon Cooks. Did you see what he tweeted after the trade deadline? Like, poor guy. Poor guy was trying to tie the NFL record for being traded the most or tied for the most with four. The fourth trade didn't happen. Instead of leaving the Houston Texans, he's still playing the rest of the season with that team instead of playing for a contender. Um, And nobody's more upset than Brandon Cooks is. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. The Packers are definitely losers uh, from the trade deadline. They were in in the Chase uh, Claypool sweepstakes, but lost out on him. Uh, I heard that they tried to, you know, get Brandon uh, Cooks as well, but they obviously lost out on him. I would also add the Los Angeles Rams as a loser. Their offense is Cooper Cup or bust right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if Cooper Cup, he's not even going to be a hundred percent this week because of an ankle injury. And what else do you have besides Cooper cup? So they definitely needed a playmaker on the outside. Now maybe Odell Beckham jr. Comes back and, you know, saves the Rams offense, but I will give you a team that made a move. That is a loser. It is the Denver Broncos because <laughs> they traded for Russell Wilson over the off season. And everybody thought they were going to be a contender. The move to get rid of Bradley Chubb, that signals that they're kind of in this in-between mode. Maybe you have a franchise quarterback that's underperforming, and maybe you're trying to build for the future. Now, what is it? You have a veteran quarterback 
on a huge deal, and now you trade away arguably your best defender, definitely your best pass rusher. So I think uh, the Denver Broncos are a loser, at least for this season. I do like what they got at the package of picks, but they're definitely a loser for this season because they're, they're out of the AFC West now. We can all yeah. agree on that. <laughs> it's the Chiefs far and away, then the Chargers, uh-huh. and then way down at the bottom of the basement are the Raiders and the Broncos. <laughs> Which is so crazy because before the season – Everybody was like, could the AFC West get three, four teams even into like the playoffs? Yeah, that, that was Tyler. Raiders that, were supposed me, to. Yeah. That was, that was you, Tyler. Tyler. That's your right there. I'm guilty. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> you could definitely classify the entire Broncos season, no matter what context you want to put into, as a giant L. So if we're talking about the trade deadline, L. You know, season long, L. Off season, L. I think <laughs> it kind of puts them in this crazy position that Tyler was alluding to there where signing Russell Wilson to that deal and then this kind of disaster that they found themselves in Mm -hmm. has almost facilitated a a rebuild in a way and you see that with them trading Chubb but at the same time everybody had always said they're a quarterback away this defense is good uh they have the weapons on offense the Javante Williams injuries you know kind of might maybe set things back a little bit as far as their offensive uh, output, but I, it's just such a bizarre situation in, in Denver, and definitely one to keep an eye on because who knows how aggressive that ownership group wants to be. Maybe they aren't aggressive and, and are going to be patient with it. So we'll see. Look at Tyler Dragon and Chris Bumbaka both laying the boom on the Denver Broncos on the trade deadline. Um, you know, I wanted to comment on this too because you pay Russell Wilson, yes, um, and the the reason you trade Bradley Chubb is because you can't pay him. He was going to be a free agent this year. Um, typically, we see NFL teams, they do this where you either you pay your defense because you have a rookie quarterback or you pay your offense and you go rookies on defense, right? You try to balance it out that way in regards to uh, how you pay your players on your team. So the Broncos are paying their quarterback. They have to draft on defense now. And you look at the Dolphins, they can pay Bradley Chubb. They're, they're in the you know, contract talks excuse me, to give him an extension because he's ending his rookie deal. And Tua Tungabailoa still has two years left, you know, including a fifth-year option on his rookie deal. So um, it's, it's, it's the give and pull that teams have to make, decisions that they have to make each and every season. I'm sure the Broncos would have loved to be in contention a little bit more. And I'm glad that the Broncos didn't take their win in London over the Jaguars last week to go to three and five. I'm glad they didn't really take that as some like huge hint, like, hey, we can really make a push this year because they've been horrible every other game this year. I thought you were going to say I'm glad that the Broncos traded Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins, Sothic. But I, I do, have to, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do hmm. have to say one thing, though. What if the Broncos actually draft a quarterback next year? You have to say they could possibly draft the quarterback because now – the quarterback draft class next year, we all talk about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, but you have to add Herndon Hooker in the mix now, who's a possibly yeah. first-round pick, the quarterback out of Tennessee, Anthony Richardson from Florida. Safa, I know you're familiar with him. The, I mean, those are four quarterbacks that can possibly go in the first round. Four quarterbacks. The Broncos could draft a quarterback in the first round next year. Soffin's face when you said Anthony Richardson. I <laughs> yeah. think it says a lot right yeah. there. I don't know. He had a great first, first round game. 
Yeah, he got potential. Uh, he's maybe next year, not this year. I don't think he's. <laughs> I don't think he's ready for the draft this year. Um, I'm also looking at the Broncos picks because did they have their own first round pick already, or they traded that away in the Russell Wilson trade? Yeah, Denver sent their first round pick, so mm-hmm. at least good on them for getting a first round pick back from the Dolphins. I think that was just the bare minimum, uh, not the bare minimum, but that was the floor, you know, to speak in the uh, in the trade negotiations, but. Go to them getting a first-round pick. You just don't know how low it's going to be because they don't really have any ammunition to really try to trade up and get into the top three where you're looking at C.J. Stroud or uh, Bryce Young from Alabama um, or even some of the other guys that you mentioned, Tyler. I'm sure it's going to be pretty low. It's the Dolphins pick. <laughs> <laughs> what a hater, bro. What a hater. It can't be, can't be lower than the Chargers pick. Those guys just hurt beyond belief here. Chris, welcome oh, to the man. podcast, man. This is where Tyler makes fun of me because I'm the Dolphin Homer. This is where I make fun of Tyler because he loves Justin Herbert, far more superior than Tua Tonga Um, And he also is a huge fan of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Right, Producer Emily? I'm going to pick the Chiefs again. So apparently I'm a fan of just every team in the National Football League from what Sophis says. It's the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. It's the Chargers. It's every team in the AFC North. That's it's the 49ers. The 49ers, oh, the 49ers. Right? The base better than that way. Yeah, it is know. so funny, though. Like, you know, the areas that we cover, we just because we're exposed to them, like, we, we have this different vantage point. Like, when the Ravens got Roquan Smith and Tyler, you know, very eloquently spoke on why that was such a big addition for them, I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, they needed help in the middle of that defense. They have the secondary. They have a defensive line. Mm-hmm. And now you pair him with Patrick Queen, like Tyler said. That makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, I just have that because I'm in the, the DMV. And I, I know, you know, I know the Ravens roster much better than a lot of other teams. So it's funny how, you know, that, that kind of influences, uh, you know, how we see the league as a whole. When you spoke about the Ravens there, and Tyler, you mentioned this earlier too. Where does this put everybody in regards to where they stand in the conference? Um, let's talk about the AFC first. Uh, boom, I think the Ravens' move was a huge move. It helped their defense. We saw them lose to the Dolphins this year. We saw Lamar Jackson have some turnovers late in some games, which he needs to improve on. Um, but the win over the Bucks was a good win, a sign that they're kind of trending in a little bit of a better direction. I still got the Chiefs, and I still got the Bills. I still have Buffalo number one, excuse me. I got the Bills. I got the Chiefs. I think the Ravens are certainly in the mix. Um, I think the Bengals can hang in it. And then I got the Dolphins. Um, I think there's a lot more competitive uh, teams in the AFC in regards to the NFC. Um, But how do you guys see the AFC kind of shaking out after the trade deadline? So the playoffs started today. I just looked. It would be the Bills number one, Titans two, Chiefs three. Ravens four, Jets five, Dolphins six, Chargers seven. Now, the only team outside of that playoff mix that I think can sneak in is the Bengals. So probably I would have the Bengals over the New York Jets. I think the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Dolphins will be the three uh, wild card teams. Um, obviously, what the Dolphins did with Bradley Chubb, that is going to have a huge impact. I think, you know, their defense is going to be – was already good, but just added a huge upgrade because they need, definitely needed a pass rusher. Um, the Bengals, I want to see how they can keep things afloat without Jamar Chase. It was a, a nightmare 
uh, <laughs> on Halloween. That was one game. Them against the Cleveland Browns. Their offense looked like the Bengals of old. Trust me, I know how the Bengals <laughs> offense <look laughs> <old>. <laughs> without Jamar Chase. So, you know, Joe Burrow and that offense is going to have to figure it out. I think they need to get uh, Joe Mixon involved uh, more. And they also lost uh, Chidobe Awuzie at cornerback mm-hmm. to a season-ending knee injury. So that's a huge blow. So the Bengals have some injury concerns, but I do think they'll sneak in uh, to the playoffs. Um, but overall, the trade deadline, I think it's going to have the, the biggest influence in the AFC side on the Ravens because they solidified that middle spot on defense. And then also the Dolphins, I think that definitely gets them in the mix in the playoffs. You hear yeah, that right boom? now. You I hear that think... boom? You hear that? We finally got some <laughs> I heard good. It. I finally got some good talk about the Dolphins from Tyler Dragon. You oh, hear that Lord. boom? Yeah, so let me, let me guess too. you up again. Let me guess you up even more. I think the Dolphins are going to be the the five seed, and I think it's going to be pretty clear cut that they are the best wild card team when we're entering the playoffs. The five seed. <laughs> they're going to lose to the Chargers in uh, December. <laughs> Yeah, and I do like – okay, so I actually also like the Chargers as well. I think Justin Herbert's awesome, kind of like Tyler does. And I, I think that it would be cool to see them in, in the postseason this year. But they they got to get healthy, right? Um, we got to get Chris in this we, podcast more often. I was just going to think – I was just – I knew you were thinking that, Tyler. I knew you were thinking that. You're trying to get Sorry some people to gang up on me, man. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think one team that we didn't mention that – Maybe this is just because, you know, the primetime recency bias, uh, but they're also getting a pretty good player back uh, in, a, in a few weeks here is the Cleveland Browns. I think it's going to come down to Browns and Bengals uh, duking it out for, for one of those final wild card spots. I think that, you know, it's they, they have an uphill battle, I guess, with the Browns, given how they started this season, but they're only going to get better. So, Chris, I do agree with you to an extent about Deshaun Watson. However... I think it's going to take some time for him to get acclimated to the speed of the game. And we saw a little bit of that uh, during the preseason when he got to play. He did not look like the Deshaun Watson of old. And there's going to be a rust factor uh, when he comes back. And Watson is going to look a lot like Jacoby Brissett (laughs) when he gets back in the field. Maybe even worse to start. Now, that's not saying he's not a better player. He is a better player. But... He just hasn't played football games, real games, in a long, long time. So he's going to be rusty, and it's going to take him a few games to get back and get comfortable and get his rhythm back. Yes, he can get some of that in practice, but it's very difficult to replicate game speed in practice. So I think the Browns dug themselves into a too big of a hole to catch a team like the Bengals and definitely – uh, the Ravens. So I do think mm-hmm. the Sean Watson effect will happen next year and not this year. Yeah. And another counter to my spicy Browns take is the fact that their coach, Kevin Stefanski has been relatively unimpressive to me uh, throughout his tenure there. And he's going to have to step up if this team does want to make the playoffs in more ways than one, you know, it's not just the play calling. He's going to have to bring this locker room together and uh, make sure that Deshaun can, get right into it if they want to have a chance. I couldn't have said the Browns thing better myself if I tried. Uh, let's go over to the NFC side of things, Tyler and Boom. Uh, Tyler, how do you see the NFC kind of shaking out? Because we've seen the Eagles make a move as well. Uh, the Vikings made a move. 
the 49ers made the biggest move at the trade deadline. And we also have the Packers, Bucks, and Rams. Being well, let's so start off. With I the love Rayman against him this year. The Eagles, How do you see the NFC side of things shaking out? Tyler, still my pick to season? win the NFC. I know I didn't have that them at the beginning of the season, but seven and zero. They're I love what they're doing, and they're winning in the battle of the trenches. Um, I'm surprised the Cowboys didn't make a move. However, I still have them uh, entering the playoffs as a wild card team. I absolutely love. We talked about it earlier, what the San Francisco 49ers did. They're not your typical 4-4 four and four football team. In my opinion, they are the second best team in the NFC behind the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you put them, you know, battling the Eagles, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them when healthy. They have a better pass rush. You can make an argument. They have just as many capable playmakers on offense. I mean, 49ers, they're going for it this year. So those are my uh, two top teams uh, in the NFC. Uh, to the negative side, the Green Bay Packers. Well, who is Aaron Rodgers going to throw the ball to? Those, The Packers might have the, the worst receiving unit in the National Football League, and you did not address the position during the trade deadline. I feel sorry for Aaron Rodgers and... That that defense that defense has picked it up a little bit uh, as of late, but man, when your offense can't get anything going through the air, that's a recipe for a disaster. And then the Rams, um, I guess Cooper Cup is going to catch uh, thirty footballs a game, and they're going to throw fifty times a game, and that's what they're going to how they're going to try to win. And pray that Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Bobby Wagner have enough to stop teams um, offensively. So. The Rams are in trouble, too. Tyler, let me ask you this about the Packers real quick. Do you think that they are just one receiver away from being respectable, I guess, would be the way to say? Because it looks like they just got a bunch of issues. And, I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers do it with Devontae Adams, but Devontae Adams is in that different tier. I don't think that anybody, uh, you know, receiver-wise on the trade block would, would uh, I guess, yield those same results. So – I think a star receiver would have a huge impact on the Packers, like yeah. say a DJ Moore or if Odell Beckham Jr. was healthy, him. Because then you have a go-to receiver, and then that gives the number two and number three receivers, they're covered by secondary players again, so mm-hmm. they have a better advantage. It's kind of like the effect DeAndre Hopkins had on the Cardinals. You saw that first game back against the Saints, how the Cardinals' offense looked as better than we've seen him look all season. So I think they can have that type of effect on a Packers team. And also, they'll get more first down, longer drives, and that gives your defense an opportunity to rest on the sideline, game plan for the offense more. It it just has a massive effect. Now, I'm not saying a Chase Claypool could have had that type of impact, or you know maybe not even a, a Brandon Cooks. But if they had a legit number one receiver – it would have a tremendous impact on their team. Yeah, Boom, I agree. I think it, it we, we, it's so easy to kind of rail on the Packers for, for not doing anything while they were in the mix for Chase Claypool. And from the sounds of it, it probably they thought they were so in on Chase Claypool before the Bears took him away that, you know, they didn't really give the due diligence they needed to the Texans and Brandon Cooks for that deal. But, I mean, either of those guys are not Devontae Adams, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, you the Packers need an all-world receiver to replace their all-world receiver. 
And, uh, you know, instead of getting viable veterans uh, during the offseason, you know, they, they piled up with the rookies on both sides of the ball. And that's kind of hard to ask Aaron Rodgers, who's like 36, 37, to deal with players who are, you know, 10, 15 years younger than him. And at the last leg of his career here, um, you know, I look at that situation in the same way I kind of look at the Rams in the books where they had their Super Bowl windows. And um, for all we know, th- those windows are over. Yeah. The Rams Super Bowl windows over. Wow. Yeah, Tyler. I know it's hard to understand here, but uh, you, you say it all the time. You only got one player to throw to. And Jalen Ramsey's liability at corner. So I do think if the Rams can stay afloat and they just so happen to get Odell Beckham Jr. back and he looks like the Odell Beckham Jr. we saw uh, during the season. That's a leap. That's a leap just saying that Odell's coming back. Yeah, I know. On, on, I mean, it, it, is a leap. it is a leap. But I don't think their windows close when you have the best overall player in football and Aaron Donald at mm. defensive tackle. You still have a top three receiver in Cooper Cup. So and their offensive line has been decimated by injuries too. So maybe this is not their year, but if they come back healthy next year, adding a number two receiver, their Super Bowl window's not closed. Come on. Their Super Bowl window isn't closed. <laughs> it sounds close to me, man. Listen, when you when and the NFL is so hard, right, to to win a Super Bowl, let alone like repeat, yeah. right? We haven't seen repeats since the Patriots and Brady did it back in the early two thousands. Like it's been 20 years for a reason. New teams step into the window. Um, old teams step out. Um, you know, for me this year, the Super Bowl, I know the Eagles are doing really good. I'm not sure if they're opening their window. It seems like they're walking into it. But for me, this is this is if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs can get back to the Super Bowl, or this is if Josh Allen and the Bills can finally break through and get to the Super Bowl. For me, those two teams are going to win it. Um, I'm not sure if any team in the NFC can compete with either of those two teams, Eagles included. So Eagles might not win at all, but I was just looking at their schedule. They got to have the 72 Dolphins a little bit nervous. Just a little, just, just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, I, I know that it's, it, like you said, Toffin, incredibly hard to win in the NFL. No matter, like, whether it's home, on the road, whatever. They got the Texans Thursday night. Well, let's just kind of pencil that in because you never know with a short week. So not a pen, just a pencil. Eight and up. They so, go. I, I don't think you're giving the Eagles and the 49ers enough credit because, one, you forgot to mention that in the AFC, the Bills and the Chiefs, they have to battle it out. And the AFC is going to be a gauntlet, whoever yeah. comes out of the AFC. But I, I saw what the Chiefs did to the 49ers. You did. I don't know. The you, Bills could do you, the you same did, thing. But a the Bills could do the same that was, thing. A 49ers team that was banged up, and now they're incorporating Christian McCaffrey. I know he played, but played sparingly. They – can compete with the Chiefs on a neutral field. And the Eagles, I think they can too because they win the battle of the line of scrimmage almost every single game. They didn't get the Chiefs to the Chiefs' credit, but I think they mm-hmm. can play with the Chiefs even though that they uh, lost to them earlier. We have a top four, I think. I think we have a top four, guys. We got 49ers, Eagles on one side. We got Chiefs, Bills on the other side. Boom, I wanted you uh, – you were kind of leaning towards a conversation I wanted to have with both of you guys. Pull up the Eagles' schedule right now. Pull up the Bills' schedule right now if you guys can. I got the Eagles' one already open because I was about to go on a whole thing about, you know, they have Commanders, Colts, this Sunday night game against the Packers is supposed to be like the big test and everything. Yeah. It's at home. You know, that looks pretty good. Their toughest one might be the next game is uh, when they host the Titans December 4th. 
Yeah, Derek Henry could run on them for sure. Uh, for me, it's the Christmas Eve game against the Cowboys. If the Cowboys are that's late, know, back to that's so late. Like, when was the last yeah. time we had an undefeated team that late in the year? It was the Patriots before you know they yeah. lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants. That's it. Um, and I think for the Bills, I look at the Bills schedule, guys. I don't see a loss on the schedule the rest of the year for 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 uh, for Buffalo. As crazy as that sounds, they play the Vikings. They could beat the Vikings. Um, they're going to get the Browns, I think, with Deshaun Watson's like first game. I think they can handle that no problem. On the road, I get the against the Patriots. That could be tough, but uh, they're more talented. They'll see the def- they'll see the Dolphins at home. You know, I think Buffalo's favorite in that one. Um, and you don't know what the Bengals at, at at Cincinnati. Maybe that game could give them some trouble later this year. But for the both of us, I, I feel like you and I, boom, we look at both schedules and we're like. Both these teams may not lose again, or if they do lose, it'll be later on this year. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that Bengals game is going to be really interesting for the Bills uh, because, you know, as we mentioned before, Bengals are going to be in a position where they're fighting for it. And, I mean, Buffalo could honestly have the AFC East cut wrapped by then. So they won't be in a position where they're sitting guys, but, like, they might not have, have as much to play for, I would say. The Bengals are probably going to treat that game the way they treated, you know, that last year game late in the season when they played the Chiefs later in the year. They're mm-hmm. they're going to give it their all, their, their yeah. best shot. The whole yeah. city of Cincinnati is going to be hyped for that game. It's going to be Monday night. <laughs> that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough environment for uh, the Bills to come out with a win. In. The Washington Commanders owners Dan Snyder and Tanya Snyder have hired an outside firm to negotiate either a selling of the franchise, uh, selling of minority stakes in the franchise. Uh, I think both of those things are still up in the air to be determined. Um, Word out of Washington is the Snyder family is keeping their options open or quote unquote exploring options. Um, But this is a huge, huge kind of step into the chapter that is Dan Snyder's ownership of the Washington football team. Um, a lot of people have been, you know, kind of banging the doors, wanting him to get out. He's under investigation by the NFL for workplace misconduct, um, let alone all the news and reports of things that we've heard of the franchise that has been kind of, you know, fostered and, and, and uh, upheld in a really negative light uh, by Dan Snyder in Washington. Uh, Tyler, I guess, what's your first reaction to this news uh, that Dan Snyder and Tanya Snyder could possibly either sell part or the entire part of the Washington football team? Well, my first thought was, thank goodness. I think we're all ready for the commanders to go in a new direction as far as ownership. Uh, But then, you know, I kind of have reservations because they left the window open because they're exploring all options. They didn't definitively say they were going to sell the team. I know we all hope that they sell the team. So part of me is optimistic, but then another part of me is pessimistic that, you know, Dan Snyder is going to decide, oh, you know, we'll give up, you know, minority stakes of the franchise. But I I do hope that there's just a complete removal um, and they just sell the team completely. Um, the first steps are underway. So we'll see what happens. I, I do have my doubts, though. Honestly, I do. Um, overall, though, I've talked, I've even talked to some players and they are ecstatic about, you know, the news. They, they won't say it publicly, but they are kind of happy 
that, you know, there's some good news coming out of this because it overall for the last few years, it's been negative news after negative news after negative news as far as ownership with the Washington Commanders. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they have hired this, you know, I think it's Bank of America to facilitate a deal. You don't really, I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in financial sales involving billions of dollars and sports teams, but I feel like you don't really see that if you are just selling off your minority stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Like people buy pieces of teams, you know, quite frequently, I, I, you know, but so that, that to me is, is the big takeaway here is the fact that they have hired someone. Now, you know, they, that window is pretty open, like Tyler said, um, but it, it's, it could be a power play from Dan Snyder, I think, too, uh, just to see, you know, what the reaction is and uh, how it affects his fellow owners. And I think eventually time's going to come up where he realizes that he 10x the value um, from $700 million to $7 billion, which is probably going to be in the range that this team sells for and uh, go live the rest of his life on a yacht. But uh, I, I think that right now it's uh, he, he's in a way almost putting his foot in the ground even deeper. A, a yacht where you can't receive any summons to go to court, right? No, <laughs> not a Wi-Fi signal in sight, Safed. <laughs> Look, uh, this this is it's really interesting, right? I think it's kind of opened the door a little bit. I think Dan Snyder wants to hear what he can get for his team. Um, I think at the same part, too, if there's a minority owner – that is, um, you know, if there's a minority stake you can sell and it somehow uh, can lead to a potential new stadium in that area, mm-hmm. maybe it, it it keeps Snyder in the fold and, and in charge of a team and he's using somebody else's money to kind of build a stadium. I don't know. Like Chris said, you know, we are not stadium and franchise experts of, of the like here. This is hundreds of millions and billions of dollars um, here at stake here in the thing that, that gets to me, Tyler, here is like Dan Snyder is going to make a huge profit and people are going to be happy to see him go. But uh, for all the things that he has reportedly uh, kind of fostered in that franchise, he's going to be laughing his way to the bank if uh, if he does sell this team. It's a pretty sad reflection of society, in my opinion. It's, and it's I mean, very... so the, the winners here, though, are going to be the, the fans, I think. You hear... I was at the Packers Commanders game, and I'm going to be at Vikings Commanders on Sunday, so I'll definitely be canvassing some reaction from you know the people who care the most, the fans. And uh, you know, you saw it during the, the Packers game. Chance of sell the team. Tanya Snyder was on the big video board for literally 0.5 seconds and got <laughs> tremendous booze in like a prepackaged video that was for breast cancer once people realized what it was for like they stopped booing but like you know just the image of the Snyders right now Mm -hmm. triggers uh what was once one of the proudest fan bases in the National Football League yeah this team has gone through so much Tyler because you look at the the name the name change and how many years it took for that to happen uh you look at all the the reports that we've heard out of you know trips uh you know outside of the country and and uncomfortable things people were asked to do. Um, you look at all the workplace, uh, you know, allegations that are happening right now um, and, and being an investigation for this. And you see how the NFL has kind of answered and kind of disciplined its owners. And there hasn't been much discipline at all. 
for their owners, right? Um, either way, whatever kind of sale kind of comes of this, NFL owners are going to need at least 24 of the 32 owners are going to have to you know vote on it and approve on it. Um, and this is something that Jim Irsay said that you know NFL owners are ready to do. Um, so I guess it's really you know if is Dan Snyder ready to sell the team? Okay, cool. Then the owners can be like, all right, here you go, man. Sell your team and, and get on your way instead of the owners really being uh, vocal against each other, which they never really are. This is kind of a, a really sacred fraternity where it's billions and billions of dollars that you have under your you know, net value, your net worth. And why are you going to go put your hands in somebody else's pocket when you know, you're sitting on what you're sitting on? Yeah, it's become apparent that the commanders need a change at the highest level. Um, and Daniel Snyder needs to go. But at the end of the day, I mean, yes, if he'll sell the team if that's what direction he wants to go to. But at, it's going to be a slap on the wrist because, oh, he's not selling the team. But, oh, you're going to get multiple billions of dollars for <laughs> giving this team up. So at, at the end of the day, it is uh, going to be a slap on the wrist uh, no matter what. Um, but for the fans' sake, Chris, you've been to that stadium a lot. I've been to it. That stadium is outdated. It's almost as bad as the Oakland Coliseum. <laughs> not not nearly as bad, but it is getting to that level. We saw the railing incident uh, with Jalen Hurst and the fans. So that stadium is outdated. They need a new stadium. A lot of those, you know, employees, they were in that toxic environment, ex-employees, and, you know, they don't want to go back and they don't, associate with Dan Snyder anymore. There's been allegations with cheerleaders. It's just on and on and on and on. The, the name change, we all address that as well. So it, it's just time for change at the highest level with the commanders. And we all hope that the Snyders sell the team completely. I was uh, I was hoping I, I didn't I actually I, I didn't think the Jalen Hurst incident would be the one stadium thing you would, would bring up. Oh no no there's more I, there's some <laughs> I don't even want to address. <laughs> yeah yeah some pretty some pretty vile ones with some you know ruddy water and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> we like you said Tyler it's it's time to see some kind of change in Washington and hopefully or maybe this is a first step. You guys can find all of Tyler's grades for all 32 NFL teams at usatoday.com. But we're going to go over some of my favorites that I saw. And let's just kick it off right away with the Las Vegas Raiders. Tyler, you gave the Raiders an F. An F, Tyler, an F. Why did you give the Raiders an F? The Raiders has Super Bowl expectations going into this season. Devontae mm-hmm. Adams, we all talked about the Fresno State connection. They were going to replicate what they did in Fresno. They got Chandler Jones from the Cardinals. Chandler Jones has been uh, missing in action (laughs) since he got to Las Vegas. Devontae Adams had one catch last week. Um, The Raiders have been the model of inconsistency. They've been terrible this season on both sides of the ball. And you have to wonder, does Devontae Adams quietly miss playing with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers because we've said it before the Green Bay Packers with Devontae Adams right now uh they would be in the playoff hunt still so that's why I gave them an F because they've underperformed I'm talking about from the coaching staff on down they have not lived up to expectations 
Yeah, I had the uh, privilege of interviewing Devontae Adams earlier this season, and you could just kind of tell from our conversation that things were not necessarily going as smoothly as he wanted. You know, he said all the right things and kept it very uh, reasonable, but you can, you can always sense when an athlete is kind of holding, you know, not being totally real about something. And he is pumped about the Derek Carr reunion. Um, and the offensive numbers going into the shutout last week weren't horrible. You know, they had they were in the top 10 in points per game, yards per game, a couple other major stats. Um, the record wasn't there. But now after this week, I'm, I'm really down on the Raiders. I don't know if I give them an F like Tyler, but definitely in that, you know, B plus, C minus range. I don't know, guys. Would you like to be the second highest paid receiver living in Las Vegas or like a moderately paid receiver living in Wisconsin right now? <laughs> so we we get it why Devontae Adams <laughs> chose Las Vegas yeah, over money, Green Bay. And so financially he's fine. But performance-wise and team-wise, F. F, huh? F. Well, he's making twelve mil. He got about twenty. C- he got about double that in Vegas. So you can pay me to lose, guys. I'll do it either way. <laughs> Tyler, let's kick it to your uh, uh, a team that got a D from you, a D, a really bad grade, not an F, but still a D. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, what do you think, so Tyler? The Bucks had a top five run defense last year, a top five offense last year. And they rank in the bottom half of the NFL in both categories this year. <laughs> it has been <laughs> Tom Brady. We all we all discuss what's going on off the field, but on the field, he looks unhappy and doesn't have a connection with his receivers. That last game against Baltimore, he wasn't even didn't have a connection with Mike Evans, and Mike Evans has been there a while. What's going? <laughs> what's going on? And then, you know, we, we talked about some of their injury problems. You know, just lost their best pass rusher. That's a huge blow. It's The Bucks. I graded them hard, harshly and the Raiders harshly because those were two teams that we definitely had as playoff contenders and possibly even Super Bowl contenders. Definitely the Bucks, And for them to be well below 500, they deserve that D. And they're lucky I didn't give them that. <laughs> the only reason I didn't give them F is they can still win a division because nobody is above 500 in the NFC mm-hmm. side. Yeah, for me, you know, all the things that Tyler said, super valid. Doesn't take a lot to determine what's happening with the Buccaneers when you're watching them and just kind of how dysfunctional it all seems. Uh, but it starts at the head coach spot for me when it comes to the, the Buccaneers right now. Todd Bowles, I, I do like Todd Bowles. I think he's a great coach. Like what he does on defense schematically, unbelievable stuff. You hear quarterbacks talk about it. Uh, I actually liked his tenure in New York. I thought it went a lot better than what people like to write that off as. But man, and I know that, you know, being rah rah isn't Todd's style, but when you're losing like that to the Ravens and, and you watch a game slip away, like show show me a little something. You know, how are you going to get this team that, you know, had the talent at, at least entering this season to, to go on another run, you know, especially in a bad division? Like, show me something. That's where I am on the Bucs. Yeah, the Todd Bowles hiring, it's like he's respected, yes, but like it's kind of like a substitute teacher kind of thing because you're used to Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles was the coordinator. 
So leadership is off, the hierarchy of things are off, and um, you know it's it's kind of hard to see an assistant coach become a head coach. That kind of just you know uh, phrase it up a little bit for Tampa Bay. Uh, Tyler, let's keep it in the NFC South though. You gave the Atlanta Falcons a C. I want to know why. The Falcons, they've been one of the surprise teams in an NFL this season. None of us had them uh, being 4-4 four and four at this point in the season. I don't think I had them winning four games all year. And they've been competitive <laughs> in, in all their games. They're uh, you know one of the best rush, running football teams in the NFL. I was considering giving them a B. However, they're 500. That's average. C's average, so I think you know that C is justifiable. Um, but I, I do like what they're doing in, in Atlanta. They they they're competitive, and they look like a team that is slowly but surely on the rise. I do believe they're a couple years away from being a legit playoff contender, though, and making noise in the playoffs. I'm not going to go that far. Couple right years on the, away. I was going to say. Did you see my? Did you say? Did you see my face there, Boom and Tyler? I, I, did, like, what? I did. A couple uh, years away. The Falcons can be a couple years away from a legit. Yeah, but listen. Contender. But listen, Boom and Tyler. I want to say something real quick on the Falcons. They deserve an F this season. They deserve an F. An F. They won. They won too many games. <laughs> Why the hell are the Falcons winning games? They that. need That's to be tanking. They need to be tanking. They need to go get one of these quarterbacks in this draft, like Bryce Young, like C.J. Stroud. Marcus Mariota is a great player on certain Sundays, not any given Sunday, all right? Um, They've won too many games. They've taken themselves out of the hunt for the number one quarterback. The Panthers are in better position. The Lions are in better position. Heck, even the the, the, uh, the Bucks and the Packers and the Rams are in better position in the draft than the, than the Falcons right now. What are the Falcons doing? They get an F from me, Tyler. They get an F from me. Wow. Just because they're winning awesome. games. Yes, yes. When you're a bad team and you're winning games, what are you doing in this league? Maybe they're I not bad wanna... teams off it. They're 500. Yeah, I don't know. Let's go to your next pick here, <laughs> Tyler. Um, the New York Giants with a B, a B plus, actually. A B plus for the New York Giants off to a fast start under Brian Dable. Um, why do the Giants get a B, Tyler? I would have given them an A if they beat Seattle, but – that doesn't take away the fact that they're off to their best start in over a decade. Uh, Brian Dayball is a coach of the year candidate. Uh, Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley uh, revitalized, playing like arguably the best running back in the NFL, definitely in the NFC. Um, that defense is playing pretty good as well. The Giants, they're a couple pieces away, I believe. From winning out of that division, they need a receiver. Daniel Jones, you still don't really trust him. But, you know, they're playing consistently above average football. And that's why I gave them the great idea. Yeah, I know a lot of Giants fans. uh, And a lot of them are more excited right now than they have been probably since Eli Manning hoisted his (laughs) second Super Bowl trophy. Um so excited to the point that they were pounding the table for a wide receiver. And I know we've talked about the trade deadline a lot today. I think that was a good example of restraint by a team that is multiple pieces away from actually contending. Uh, And I think Joe Shane has done an unbelievable job so far of turning over that roster and getting this rebuild on the highway, similar to what Terry Fontenot has done in Atlanta. I think those are two really good GM jobs right now, the GM work right now. 
not the one in Atlanta. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but look for the Giants. I'm interested in what they do at quarterback. Yeah, we've seen Dable and Joe Sheen, um, you know, take over the Giants franchise after a great run with the Bills. Um, we see what the Bills are for what they are now, right? Um, the Giants are winning games. That's good. They got rid of Katarius Tony from the old regime. You got to pick back from that, which is good. Was that a first round pick they got back for it or a second round pick? I think it was a second. Definitely was not okay. first. No problem. You can still get a good player for a yeah. second round pick. Um, I just, I'm really interested to see what they do at quarterback. Do you keep Daniel Jones? Does, does, does Brian Dable maybe unlock Daniel Jones in a way we haven't seen him before? Um, that's kind of to be determined later on this year. Um, but I'm, I agree with you, Tyler. Definitely a coach of the year candidate and definitely worthy of a B plus. Uh, let's go all the way up to the Seattle. Shout out to the 12th man. You gave the Seahawks a A, Tyler, a A, a, a minus, not an A plus, not an A regular, just an A minus um, for the job they've done. I guess that's what happens when you beat the Giants on Sunday, huh? Yes, that and Geno Smith is playing the best football of his career. <laughs> Geno Smith is looking like the first round pick uh, that he was a, a while ago. The Seattle, <laughs> they're playing out of their minds. Uh, Kenneth Walker, the, the, that rookie running back, is a rookie of the year uh, candidate. Uh, that defense, I mean, the, the defense, they've had a mass exodus of talent, and yet mm-hmm. they've had rookies come in. Young guys come in and playing well. Pete Carroll, um, another coach of the year candidate for the job that he's done. And was he right about Russell Wilson? I mean, everybody Mm. thought that, man, Seattle, they're going to take three steps back from trading away Russell Wilson. But lo and behold, they look like a better football team (laughs) with Geno Smith. So that is why I gave them A. Definitely deserve an A. The Seahawks, too. Uh, everything Tyler said, I totally agree with. That secondary is young, and they are balling. Pete Carroll is looking like that gif of him with the, the monocle chewing the gum all away, and, you know, as, as, <laughs> as the mastermind. Uh, he's, uh, you know, definitely – he's my coach of the year right now at, at the midway point. And, uh, you know, I, I think Gino is probably the best story in the NFL this year right now. You guys remember how much of a baller he was at West Virginia? I feel like we're watching West Virginia, Gino. So kudos to him and offensive coordinator Shane Waldron for creating this scheme that he can thrive in and having weapons like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, a running game, and Kenneth Walker certainly does not uh, hurt. I also love that the Seahawks defense has players with the names Michael Jackson and Kobe Bryant. I I, I love that. (laughs) But go ahead. (laughs) I think what you see in Seattle is a system. Pete Carroll has a system in place. This is what happens. Geno Smith is not learning a new offense. The defense is not learning a new defense. You still have the same leadership there. That's why they've been able to kind of take this this step um, without Russell Wilson that they've had. They've had this infrastructure in place. I think Pete Carroll and I think Brian Dable are definitely coach of the year candidates. I think that's, uh, but I, st- I think that's Nick Sirianni's award, the Philly coach. Um, you can't go undefeated and not be coach of the year. That's how I'm thinking about it. I think Kenneth Walker is rookie of the year. And I, I did think, Tyler, that Saquon was comeback player of the year, but I think Gino could definitely take that award from him. Yeah, most definitely. Those two are the favorites, I would say for sure.
So we do our weekly picks here where our insiders pick five games of the week in which they attempt to predict who will win the game. I have not been keeping track of the picks, and I will have to go back and see who's in. The block is hot. (laughs) (laughs) Producer Emily. I will have to see who's in the – it's fine. It's fine. Can we close a window or something? I'm not closing the window. It's fresh air outside. It's fresh air. But before uh, someone else can make any sounds outside, Boom, Safed, and Tyler will be picking this week. And we'll start off on Sunday with the 1 p.m. game. Chargers at the Falcons. Safed, lead us off here. Why are the Falcons winning? I'll say it again. Why are the Falcons winning? Um, Look, uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, they are injured, but they are coming off some time off. I'm going to take the Chargers in this one, Tyler. So I have a surprise in this one. What? I have props. <laughs> oh. oh, Tyler has props for his picks, though. Um, Let me pull up the FanDuel account. Let me pull I, up the FanDuel account. I did like what the Falcons have done. I, I did give them a high grade, and I gave the Chargers a C-plus for their performance. But I think they for those of you For those of you listening – and not watching Sorry. the video to this, the props that Safed has are some mini helmets here. Safed has? has Tyler, I'm sorry, Tyler. Tyler, has, Tyler, mini Tyler has. Listen, it's and, been a long day. And For, Boom thought of props. I was talking. I was talking props like uh, player props. He's one of us. We're one we're a mess us. this week. Tyler has many uh, helmets here yes. for the Chargers and the Falcons, and I totally missed your pick. I believe Chargers because you always pick the Chargers. Is that where we're at? Uh, I don't always pick the Chargers. Okay, so you're at the Chargers. Week. Okay, Chargers. Boom, who do you have in you this You do game? always pick the Chargers, Tyler. Tyler always picks the Chargers. Go ahead, Boom. I'm going to I'm gonna go make it a, a clean sweep. I'm taking the Chargers, but it's going to be high scoring. All right, let's move on to our next game, which I'm a little worried could be another clean sweep here because of the conversation we had earlier today. But we've got the Raiders at the Jaguars. Tyler, why don't you lead us off talking about this game? I'm done with the Raiders. Um, I'm <laughs> tired of the way that they're performing. Uh, their defense leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, I like Devonta Adams. For crying out loud, we went to the same barbershop in Fresno, but uh, no. <laughs> I got the Jaguars winning this game. And the Jaguars, wow. they, they're not a good football team either, but I think they have some talent. Hmm. I'll go ahead next here, guys. I'm surprised you picked the Jaguars. I really am. They've lost five straight. I thought they were due for a win last week in London. They didn't get it. Uh, they've been losing every game this year by one score. Um, I'm going to give it another game that they're going to lose by one score. I'm going to take the Raiders. And uh, I, this is a good get-right game for both teams, honestly. But I think Vegas pulls it out. Yeah, I agree on the get-right aspect for both of them. Uh, I The Raiders having to travel cross-country again, kind of after going to New Orleans last week, has me a little spooked on them, As even though I, that is a great buy-love spot for them. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm going to take the Jags. All right. I felt a little bit better there. Safed, thank you for throwing out uh, something a little bit different than the crowd. Appreciate that. Let's Anything for you. Thank you. <laughs> Let's move on to the 4 o'clock games. We've got Geno Smith, who is better than Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks at the Cardinals. Boom, why don't you leave, lead us off here? What do you see? I'm going with the Cardinals because every week we see something that makes us question everything that we've watched. And for me this week, it's going to be the Cardinals. I think that they're going to, you know, 
beat the the Seahawks, and then we're gonna have to have all these conversations about you know, oh, can the Cardinals do something here? Can you know what's wrong with the Seahawks? So uh, I'm gonna say uh, Cardinals here. So this game is in Arizona. The Cardinals snapped their home losing streak uh, against the Saints uh, two weeks ago, and nothing that the Cardinals have done as far as week eight leads me to believe that they're going to beat Seattle, especially Seattle team playing well. However, DeAndre Hopkins plays good. I got the Arizona Cardinals winning. However, DeAndre Hopkins plays good. Like that's all the that's all the faith. It's playing good. DeAndre Hopkins changes the Arizona Cardinals tremendously. He definitely, he definitely does. Were they playing that bad last week, Tyler, against the Vikings? Were they that bad? They weren't that bad. And then so, and again, that that gives me a little bit of confidence. It's because the DeAndre Hopkins effect on that football team. They're a playoff caliber football team with DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to take Seattle on this one. I'm going to take Seattle on this one. I'm going road, dog. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is going to change that game, but Seattle has, I think, a couple more offensive weapons. Not Kyler, but, uh, you know, you got DK, you got Kenneth Walker, and Tyler Lockett's going to make a couple more catches than he did last week. Tyler, do you have a mini helmet for every team? Is that what what's going on? Not every team. Not every team. Just your favorite teams. All no, right, I let's – Let's move on. Last week, the Rams not doing so well. I mean, we know how Tyler feels about last week's matchup. It's better than that way. But this week, the Rams have a chance to bounce back. They are three and four and maybe should be thinking about their picks instead of doing something else with them. And they're at the Buccaneers who are struggling. Is this a chance for the Rams to get ahead um, and, and try to get to 500? I can't believe we're saying that. But Safed, what do you think? I'm taking Tampa in this one. Um, I don't think the Rams, like Tyler mentioned earlier today, um, Cooper Cup has an ankle injury. He's not going to be 100, percent and that's their whole offense. Um, I'm going to take the the Bucks in this one. A big get right game for the Bucks. I like that pick, Soffit. But the Bucks are without arguably their best defensive player and uh, Shaq Barrett. And the Rams, in my opinion, they are still a playoff team. I don't think the Bucks. they don't look like a playoff team. And Tom Brady's kryptonite is pressure up the middle. Uh, who the Rams got? They got this player named Aaron Donald. I think he's pretty good at football. Mm, I got the Rams. Aaron Donald doesn't want to see me at center. I'll tell you that right now. I still got to tell, tell you, you that said right that. now, boom. <laughs> I'll tell you that right I'll go tell him myself in Tampa this week. <laughs> oh, man. Who could have thought that this game, you know, in the in the game of the week slot, you know, was going to be between teams that aren't even 500? Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Uh, I'm going with the Rams. Tyler sold me right there with the uh, the pressure up the middle. I just think that the, the Bucks are completely falling apart, uh, even though, you know, like Soffit said, could be get right. But um, I am uh, I am taking the Rams. Who are the Rams going to score with, bro? Cooper Cup. going to score with? He's hurt. It doesn't matter. He's a machine. <laughs> <laughs> I trust Sean McVay. Sean McVay will, uh, will, will scheme it up. Sean McVay. All right, cool. All right. Let's wrap up the week here with the Monday night game at 8-15. The Ravens, who just eked out that win against the Bucks, the team we were talking about, at the Saints with their dominating shutout win, which you don't see much in football. 
So, Tyler, who do you have? Ravens at Saints Monday night. What are you thinking? I like how the Ravens performed against the Bucks, especially in the second half. They still need a receiver, though. They need a number one receiver. However, Lamar Jackson is going to be the best player in the field. I got another helmet. The Ravens win that game. Yeah, I'm with you there, Tyler, on the Ravens. Um, I'm still waiting for them to play a consistent four-quarter game. Uh, will this be the week that they can do it? I don't know. New Orleans defense coming off a shutout, uh, but I, I like the Ravens here. And if you're a Ravens fan, you're hoping to see a lot of consistency. That's really going to be the theme, I think, down the stretch here for them. I can't wait to see Roquan Smith. To play on Monday night. If, if if you're a Ravens fan, you're really happy you have Roquan Smith going up against <laughs> Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill yep. uh, on on defense. I'm taking the uh, Ravens here. Uh, the Ravens do have a receiver. He's a star. His name is Mark Andrews. Tyler. His name is Mark Andrews. Yeah, he's a tight end. <laughs> he's their you're star not a Devin receiver. Duvernay fan. Tyler? He's their star receiver. I'm Savi Dean. That was Tyler Dragon, and we want to thank Chris Boombaka, aka the Boom. For joining us on this week's edition of It's a Football Podcast. Guys, if you haven't already, download the USA Today Sports Plus app in your Apple Store and in your Google Play. It's a sports-only app for all your favorite news and updates from your favorite teams. Check us out, download it, and we'll see you guys again next week. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app where the biggest fans fan harder. Sorry.